We haven't had Justin lead worship in a while. It's great to have him back. Uh, and uh, most of you know this Justin, but since he didn't introduce himself, he's Justin too, uh, as well. I mean, not Justin too, as well. Um, yeah, well done, church. It's been a great few weeks to, to see our community come together uh, around fire relief efforts in such amazing and compelling ways. It's really, really exciting. Uh, at the fundraiser, um, like the news said, we raised 5000 We were able to send that to Sonoma uh, Fire Relief Fund. And uh, we've raised other money as well that the, the board is discussing exactly how, how best to utilize that, uh, how best to resource that, those funds, what organization uh, could best use those funds. Uh, and we've pretty much narrowed it down, but waiting to finalize that decision, so we'll keep you updated on that. Um, but at the fundraiser, we had a number of auction items, and the auction was unbelievably fun. Uh, and Dan Fujimori bought two Warriors tickets and the game's today at 5, and he's not going. Uh, so, highest bidder. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a little auction after the service. Uh, no, he, he's willing to give them away, but if you want to contribute uh, to Dan, uh, please do. So, just so you're aware, Warriors, 5 o'clock. Um, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 9. We're... In the midst of our second mini-series, uh, in our bigger series, Three Years with Jesus. And in Luke 9, today, we're going to look at this story that is found in all four Gospels. Uh, it's the story of loaves and fish, uh, what was a small amount <coughs> suddenly becomes abundance uh, enough to feed 5,000. So before we dive into this, let me say a word of prayer. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you that you are a God of abundance. Thank you that you are a God who is near. God, we trust your words. We trust the words of Scripture when they say you are close to the brokenhearted and near to those who are crushed in spirit. Continue to pray for so many, so many who have lost so much in Sonoma and Napa, in Puerto Rico, in the Houston area, and South Florida. God, I pray that these folks would know your nearness, your love, compassion, and your abundance in this time. It's in the name of Jesus, everyone said. Amen. All right. So in Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus' disciples, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. So Jesus had sent out his 12 disciples, uh, also called apostles, and he had sent them out to uh, surrounding towns and villages to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. They, they've been on the go. They've been going, 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 and they are tired when they come back. And so Jesus says he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Uh, Mark's version uh, talks about it in, in a different way. 
I can have the next slide. It says, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get a rest. So uh, Jesus' disciples are worn out, and people are coming and going constantly, uh, wanting their attention, want Jesus' attention, and, and Jesus says, you know what, we, we need a break. It's time to get a breather. You've been out on the go, and let's retreat. Uh, let's just spend some time alone, in quiet, and let's get a rest. Uh, can anyone relate? Uh, been on the go, 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 and you're, something within you says, I need a break, I need a rest, I need a retreat. This is, uh, this is the rhythm God gave us from the beginning. Uh, work six days, rest one. This is a healthy rhythm, and, it, and it's a healthy thing to regularly get away for more extended time, what we call vacation, <laughs> uh, is a healthy rhythm to get away from the rush and clamor of the world and retreat. And so this is what Jesus does with his disciples. He says, hey, let's, let's get away. Verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I, I kind of like my space. And when I have expectations of how I will use my time, how I will use my space, how if I uh, am alone and think I'm going to be alone for a period of time where I can just be present, uh, where I can study, where I can whatever. If, if that gets interrupted, uh, sometimes I can respond fairly well. Other times, I can get pretty irritable about that uh, because my expectations of how my time would be just got interrupted. Um, there are, there are times, and they've become less and less, uh, where I attempt to work from home. Uh, doesn't work too well unless the kids are in bed. Uh, because the interruptions become constant. I had this uh, pastor friend back in Michigan, and he had told me, what, he had an office at home, and uh, he had told me that he let his wife know that... Um, it was okay for the kids to interrupt from time to time unless he was studying for Sunday. If he was studying for Sunday, it's not okay for the kids to interrupt him. And uh, at the time, I thought about that, and I was like, ah, that seems reasonable. But the more I've thought about it, and I didn't have kids at the time, the more I've thought about it, I'm like, that's not reasonable. Uh, at least for me and my philosophy with my children, it's not fair to my children for me to be home and for them to be told they can't interrupt me. And so I, I had to change my expectations. If I'm going to attempt to work from home, my expectations are I'm going to get interrupted. It's just the way it is, and I'm okay with that. And that's why I don't work from home very often anymore. <laughs> I have plenty of places I can go. I can go to the library. I can go to a coffee shop. I have an office here. So there are plenty of places I can go to get away and work. And so I'm, I'm just now, I, I know my expectations are if I work from home, I'll get interrupted, and I'm okay with that. 
and so there are other times, though, where my expectations are upended, and I, I can get a bit irritable about it because I had certain expectations of the way my day would go and the way things would go. Uh, imagine you're Jesus' disciples, and you've been on the go, go, go. You've been traveling from town and village. You've been with people 24-7, sharing with them the good news of the kingdom, this kingdom of shalom, this kingdom of goodness, this kingdom of abundance, this kingdom of beauty and healing and hope that Jesus came to proclaim more fully than ever before. And you return from that go, go, go to Jesus. And Jesus can see you're tired. And he says, let's, let's get away. And your expectation is, yes, time alone with Jesus, no interruptions, no crowds, no people, and you show up to your retreat center, and there's 5,000 people there waiting for you. Uh, notice the text says, Jesus welcomed them. It does not say Jesus and his disciples welcomed them. I think they were a bit irritated. Now, it's the disciples who wrote the gospel, so they don't tell you they were irritated, but they, they were irritated. Uh, and Jesus, though, welcomes them. Jesus' expectation was retreat, silence, let's regroup. His expectations got upended. His response to his expectations not being met were compassion, hospitality welcoming. This is part of what it means to be a Jesus follower. That when our expectations aren't met, we respond with grace and compassion and hospitality. And that is what Jesus did. And he proclaims the kingdom, this kingdom of abundance, this kingdom of love, this kingdom of forgiveness, this kingdom of grace and peace and hope and healing this kingdom of shalom. And it says, Late in the afternoon the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowds away. See, I told you they were irritable. <laughs> they, they, they've endured it the whole day, and they finally get to the point where they come to Jesus and say, Send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. You know how Jesus responds to them? You give them something to eat. <laughs> okay. You're tired. You're irritable. You've been ministering to crowds for days. Your expectation was retreat. Your expectation got upended. <clears throat> You've had it. You want the crowds to go away. And you tell Jesus as much. And Jesus' response is... You give them something to eat. Now how do you think you're feeling as one of Jesus' disciples? You give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. So uh, another gospel says it was, uh, in order to feed this crowd, it would be a half year's wages. You'd have to work for half a year, save all that money, spend none of it, and that's how much money you'd need to feed this entire crowd. Uh, 
Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Uh, so I assume, like any group of people, if you take 12 people, uh, you're going to have people who have different gifts and, and different talents and, and the capacity to do different things better than others. And so I assume that out of these 12, there were a couple of disciples who were fairly good at organization. Um, I can do organization, but it, I don't love organization. There are, there are strange people in this world <laughs> who love organization and administration. Uh, I, um, day one, when we were doing the donation distribution stuff, uh, our student center was chaos. It was just stuff everywhere, and this gal stopped by and, and donated some stuff, and she looked, and she said, would you like me to stay and help? I'm like, yep, we could use all the help we need right now. This woman just started organizing. And then more people came and started organizing, more people came and started organizing and making this thing happen. It was amazing to watch the organizational capability of different people. Uh, you wouldn't have wanted me down there trying to organize. There were people who knew how to do that way better than me, and it was amazing to watch. And so uh, Jesus tells the disciples, uh, organize them. Get them in groups of 50, and they do it. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Uh, so Jesus performs this amazing miracle with five loaves of bread, two fish. Uh, he gives thanks. He breaks the bread and distributes it. And now there's 12 basketfuls left over. Where there wasn't enough, now there is abundance. Um, there's this uh, amazing theologian named Walter Brueggemann, and he talks about what, what he calls the myth of scarcity. That we often live with this myth that there is not enough. And so uh, when the disciples say, we have only five loaves and two fish. Th this is the myth of scarcity. They, we don't have enough. Send the crowds away. A and what Jesus is about is not operating within the dominant economy where you go and have this autonomous experience in the marketplace, but Jesus is about an economy of generosity, an economy of abundance. Uh, the kingdom economy functions different than the world economy. And when we live with a myth of scarcity, we believe there's not enough. And I think we do this in, in many ways. It's not just we don't have enough stuff or we don't have enough money. It's we don't have enough time in our day. Uh, we get up in the morning and one of the first things we think is I didn't get enough, what? Sleep. 
and we go to bed at night and we often think, I didn't accomplish enough. We believe in this myth of scarcity, that there's never enough. If God would have just created the days to be 28 hours rather than 24, then that would be enough. If God would have just set the system up so it was eight or nine days a week rather than seven, then I could practice Sabbath, but there's not enough days in the week for me to practice Sabbath because there's not enough time in the day for me to do enough. And so we live with this myth of scarcity that there is not enough. And so we greedily hold on to that which is ours, whether it's time, money, space, what, whatever it is, we can, we can hold on to it so tightly because we don't believe there's enough. As horrible and tragic as the fires were, what it brought out in people was radical generosity. Where there was a myth of scarcity, people's abundance came out in droves. And in this story, there were 12 basketfuls left over. In our story, we can't get rid of some of the stuff we have because we have more than 12 basketfuls left over. It's abundance. Uh, it's a good problem to have. People were radically generous because they refused to live in the myth of scarcity and instead believed in God's abundance. Uh, th this is the story that we've seen from the beginning. When God created, he created with radical abundance. He created beauty and so much of it. The natural world all around us is amazingly Beautiful, And when we live with a myth of scarcity, we, we live in this consumer culture where we believe we never have enough and we need more. And, and uh, unbridled economic growth and, and consumer spending, our planet cannot sustain. And so when we live with the myth of scarcity and that we need more and we need more and that this no longer is relevant and so it goes to the garbage bin and we need more. It is a, a system that is simply unsustainable. If instead we would live within the recognition of God's abundance and that we already have enough. But what if we lived with a theology of enough? I have enough. What if we believed that about ourselves? I am enough. I think so much of I don't have enough time in the day, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough stuff, so much of that comes from poor self-awareness, poor self-esteem. It, it comes from believing I'm not enough. And so I have to prove I'm enough by making more money, by getting more stuff, by having the best things, rather than sitting in the reality that we are enough because we are created in God's image as enough.
You're enough. Okay, can you say that? Are you able to say that within yourself? I am enough. I'm enough. And there is nothing more you need because you are enough and you have enough. It's gift. It's gift. It's sheer gift. Uh, this text, um, before it starts, says that Herod, uh, Herod was the, the king of the Jews of the day. He was their political leader, and uh, he didn't like his power being threatened. And so uh, Herod is hearing about Jesus, and he says, I beheaded John, John the Baptist, a prophet. Uh, Herod got rid of him. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Uh, Herod uh, ruled out of fear and intimidation. And Herod's uh, sitting in his palace while Jesus and his disciples are out with the people working amongst the people. I think Herod lives with this terrible fear that he's not enough and that someone could steal his power, his position. And so he sits in his comfortable palace and he beheads prophets. Uh, he tweets hate to those who, no, wait, he didn't have Twitter. Uh, he, he sits in his comfort zone and he gets rid of those who threaten his power. <coughs> where Jesus says, you're already enough. You're enough. There's nothing more you need. And so Herod asks this question, who is this? Notice after the story of the feeding of the 5,000, once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. So Herod's question is answered by Peter. Who do you say I am? God's Messiah. The one who has come to bring the world to rights. The one who has come amongst so much else to destroy the myth of scarcity and invite us in to God's abundance. Uh, notice, you can go back. Jesus blesses. He gives thanks for the bread. He breaks it. He gives it. There is satisfaction. Everyone eats until they are satisfied, and there are leftovers. Uh, when we live in God's economy, when we live in a recognition of the way God set up the world, we live with a theology of enough. God created the world with abundance, and, and he said to the first humans, here it is, I'm giving it all to you. I'm entrusting it to you. Work it. Take care of this beautiful creation. I'm entrusting it to you. You are enough, and I've created you in my image and I'm entrusting you with this. And it's not long before these first humans buy into the myth of scarcity. The story tells us that the serpent came and told them, did God really say? 
you can eat from all these trees, but you can't eat from this one. See, you should eat from this one because if you eat from this one, then you will have the knowledge of good and evil and you will be like God. God is holding out on you. You need this. And they buy into the myth of scarcity. They buy into the myth that God hadn't given them everything they needed. They buy into the myth that God was holding out on them. And that in order to have abundance, in order to have everything they wanted, in order to become who they wanted to become, they must eat the fruit that God said don't eat from it. And we've been living with that myth ever since. There's an entire system put in place to convince us that we don't have enough. There's a major around it. It's called marketing. That entire system is put into place to convince you you need this. And until you have it, you are not enough. Will you join me in longing to break that cycle of the myth of scarcity? Uh, I, I want to be a person who believes deep in my bones that God created me as enough and that I have enough. I am lacking nothing. It's not, well, if I could just get that one more thing, or if I could just get my retirement fund to this, or if I could just, if my, my child would just get into this school, then it would be, an, no. You are enough. Your child is enough. You have enough. We serve a God of abundance. And the reality is that living in the wealthiest nation of the world, we have way more than enough, don't we? And when we see things happen, like what happened with the fire relief, where people's generosity came out in droves, then we're living into the beauty and wholeness of what it means to be fully human. We're living into the beauty and wholeness of who God created us to be, a people of radical generosity. Rather than grasping and holding on to that which is ours because someone might take it from us, instead holding it loosely with a generous spirit. This is who God created us to be. God created us for so much more than accumulation. Our identity is not consumer. Our identity is found in being created in the image of God. And our identity is found in Christ. The, the Mark uh, version of this story says that Jesus had compassion on these crowds because he saw that they were, a sh were like sheep without a shepherd. Herod, their political ruler, not ruling out of love and kindness and compassion. Uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the, the religious rulers who also had political clout of the day, not leading out of love and compassion. Uh, and they were longing 
for someone to lead them with compassion and with love and with generosity. And this Jesus, who had compassion on the sheep, uh, loved so deeply and loved all of us so deeply. He took that love all the way to the cross and gave his life for all of us. This same Jesus who took the, the bread, the five loaves, and gave thanks and broke them would also later take a loaf of bread and say, this is my body, which is given for you. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, Friday brokenness resulted in Sunday abundance. Uh, The myth of scarcity is simply that, a myth. We live in a world of abundance because we have a God who created the world of abundance because we have a God of abundance. And Jesus told us, it is this God. Can you take that off, please? It is this God who came to give us himself, the fullness of himself, the abundance of himself to all of us. So this morning, when you come and you take this bread and you dip it in this cup. I want to invite you to break the myth of scarcity in your life. Whether it's the myth of not enough time, or not enough money, or not enough resources, or not enough stuff, whatever it is, I want to invite you to break that myth of scarcity and partake of the Christ who came to give us abundance. God, thank you that you are a God of abundance. Help us to know that you came to break the myth of scarcity and you invite us into a life of abundance and we're invited to share that abundant life with each person we encounter. This morning as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, fill us to overflowing with your abundance. And may we share that abundant love and life and light with the world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.